Welcome to tonight's podcast. I am thrilled. I am honored. I am exuberant to be sitting here with the one and only Ora, who is not just my older sister of three years, but my very best friend, my confidant, my soulmate, my love, my life, my everything. I'm getting shy. Well, you know what? Sometimes we need to be honest. And so, Ora, I want to thank you because not only are you here tonight, but you were here. (laughs) You were here last week. Take two. Take two. (laughs) You were here last week where we did a podcast, and, and many of you listeners who tuned in know that we did a podcast, and it was great, but it was lost. And so moving right along, here we are again. Welcome, Ora, to the podcast. Thank you, Donna, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot tell you what this means to me. It's incredible that knowing that you're going to have a guest on a podcast can actually influence your entire day. Do you know that I was fantastic today? I mean, you guys know I'm a teacher. I was the best teacher today just if your kid is my student ask your kid like I was on top of the world this legit happened today my last class one of my students a fifth grade girl said to me you're so smiley and I said oh really am I usually frowny and they were like no you're always smiley but you're even more smiley yeah because I knew that tonight my sister Ora who literally completes me I know it sounds so trite I'm so sorry for that was going to come out tonight and schlep out to Long Island from Brooklyn on the Bell Parkway, which, guys, you know is a nightmare no matter when, no matter how, no matter why, because she was going to be here with me for this podcast. So, Ora, I don't just thank you. I really, really appreciate you being here. I am so excited to be here, and I can't follow up all of that wonderfulness because I'm not you, but I am going to say that our other podcast was great. It was so, so good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was so it was good. Great. And when it was lost, I spent the entire next day on the, like, email with mm-hmm. podcast people, like podcast professionals, <laughs> being like, save podcast my... Podcast bot chats. Yes. <laughs> like, save my podcast. They were like, it's gone, no lady. No can do. Like, no can do. When you asked me at the end of our last podcast if I would come back and do it again, and I thought for a minute, and I was like, yes, yes, I think I might. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So here I am. And here you are. So here I am. Ora, thank you. I just want to say something about my sister Donna because she gave me such a nice introduction. I barely got, I barely touched the oh, surface. Please. Like I'm about That's to. That's enough of that. Audience, I'm about to touch the surface. Give me a moment. <gasps> my sister Donna is, she's, she's more. Okay. Like whatever it is that I'm going to say, she's more. Whatever it is that you think, she's more. She's she's always more than whatever you expect. And she rises above. And I'm sister number one. Number one. So, uh, that's it. I'm In sister number one. In all possible ways that you're conjuring up right now, like number one, yeah, that's Aura. She's number one. But? Because there's four of us, mm-hmm. audience. Like... There's four of us girls. There's Aura, who's the oldest, then there's me, and then there's Lisa, and then there's Arielle. Yep, there's four sisters. So when she says she's number one, she means it humbly, but I say it honestly, she's number one. Well, thank you. 
I just meant that I came first. <laughs> like, biologically. <laughs> biologically first. And I have because always... Because, honestly, me being number two always had a negative, <laughs> like, connection. When I'd be like, I'm number two, everyone's like, you're number two? Like, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she wasn't. I always <laughs> felt, I always felt like she got, like, a double dose of of the talent she got a double what like she got her portion and some of mine so so when she That's gives great. me this moment yeah. and allows me to sound like i'm all that and oh you are. Some, you are i'm gonna just soak it in and appreciate it i have to say something you know i think that many siblings growing up tend to tend to like focus in on their spot in life whether they're number one number two whether they're the youngest I mean, I could tell you as a teacher that my students are forever telling me, oh, I'm the youngest, so therefore I'm this, or I'm the oldest, therefore I'm this. I could tell you growing up as a number two that I always felt it was an, an incredibly honored position. Despite, despite the fact that really for a long time we were three sisters because Arielle came like a little bit later, there was a 10-year gap between sister number three and Arielle, Lisa yes. and Arielle. Yes, our youngest sister came much later on. Basically, the three of us grew up for a long portion of time before Ariel swung along. Right. Now, she has definitely caught up because what I've always said is once you've gotten married, you're in the reality of life, right? Yes. Like, once you get married it's and you start a family... It's the great equalizer. It's the great equalizer. You begin to understand the truths of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, but... You know, I've always felt growing up, and I spoke about this on one of my recent stories on Instagram at Donna Simintov, is that being number two, I always felt very empowered and very acknowledged. I always felt like I have an older sister to guide me along and give me advice, and I am an older sister to a younger sister, and then eventually two younger sisters, who looked up to me for advice and acknowledgement, and to me that was the ideal spot to be in, whereas I know many number twos often feel you know, unacknowledged, right? Right, right. They That's feel like, like the stereotype. Oldest, somebody's the youngest, and somehow number two just doesn't have that same significance. Know, significance. There. Yeah, you and I, I never felt that way. And I know you that never, I can I can attest to the fact that she never felt that way. But Ora, to be honest with you, the reason I never felt that way was because I was blessed to have a sister like you. Let me explain. From the time I was very young, I felt close to you. We got along. We played. We got. We, we, we were friends. Everything was great. As you got older and, and, and a teen would tend to, let's say, you know, distance herself from her younger sister, you always included me. You know, when you had friends over, and I remember it till this day, you always included me. You had a sleepover plan, you included me. Right. Going back to that, she had half of my share of, like, the, you know, personality and talent. They, they liked her around, and I was humble enough to appreciate that. She added... It was okay. That was and good. And I remember situations being so young where you had friends sleep over for Shabbat and I would then like take one of them. <laughs> I would like take one of them and like do like a stand-up comic routine for one of them and they would be laughing and having fun and you would walk in and be like, uh, hello, can I have my friend back? Mm -hmm. And I remember that, but like you were so gracious and so, and so like generous, I guess, with making me feel included and making me feel like I was a part of it, even though I was three years younger, which when you're young, listen, let's be honest, when you're young, three years younger makes a big difference. 
even one year. I think that's the thing about siblings. You know, you that's why there's a, siblings are such a blessing because you really figure out a lot about relationships growing up with siblings. You know, you are trying to be close. You're also trying to differentiate yourself and and figure out who you are in relationship to somebody else and boundaries and there's just there's there's a lot of good stuff there but we we did it pretty good yeah i think we did and the truth is is that especially with four girls that could become a definite you know like people have asked me throughout my life like was it like a challenge or was there a competition and i've always said and i meant this in honesty I never felt a competition. You know, here I have this older sister who I know this is like a podcast where you can't visually see anything. And so I apologize for that. But I will post pictures. Hmm. My older sister, Aura, although she's nodding her head and saying to me right now, she's hushing me and saying, shut up. She's magnificent. And I'm followed by younger two sisters who are both equally magnificent. There's never been any competition. I don't know if it was the way we were raised or it must be something something to the credit of our parents or our our own um confidence or the age gap whatever it may be whatever you want to acknowledge as a a, as a reason we all certainly felt our own phase and stage accordingly right right and so that's very important to acknowledge what i want to point out is that what i remember has such a meaningful memory to me and that my sister aura remembers too but it's something that I must mention is that when I was a kid, I, like many younger sisters, had difficulties throughout elementary school, whether it was socially or academically. And I used to go over to Ora in the early hours of the morning to ask her for guidance and advice. And Ora is a very, and I repeat, very deep sleeper. Was. Was. <laughs> Are you not anymore? Really? No. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a little bit changed. But I was for most of my life that, you know. Okay. Anyone beside my husband recently knew me. Yeah. Okay. So she was a very deep, deep sleeper. We will get to why that has changed because I'm intrigued as well. But she was a very deep sleeper and I was never a deep sleeper. I was always that person that had insomnia and I was up all night thinking and oh my goodness, it was torture. Anyways, in the early wee mornings of the hour before I went to school, I would approach her and say, oh my God, Aura, here's what I'm going through today and here's what I need advice on and here's what I need you to give me you know, tips on. Aura, with one eye closed, would give me pearls of wisdom. She would give me the greatest advice. Okay, I would go off to school and I would use her advice, and nine out of ten times it worked Mm. like magic. So I would come home and I would run up to her and be like, Oh my god, Aura, thank you so much for those words of wisdom. To which she was like, sort of confused and be like, What are you talking about? Mm. Turns out she was sleeping. When I was seeking this advice, Ora, you were half asleep. Half, half asleep. asleep and giving me advice with one eye open and one eye closed. So, Ora, thank you. Because honestly, you really did give me the. You know what advice you gave me that I still remember till today? I like to hear. Yeah. I remember being in high school. And I remember the girls who gave me a hard time. Right. I and made that. me feel left out. And made me feel less than in some capacity. And I'll never forget you telling me, Donna, you could put those girls in your pocket. Now, what's interesting is that you didn't know who those girls were. But you said it because you loved me and you believed in me. And well, guess- I knew who you were. I knew who you were. And that was all that mattered. That was enough. But you know what, Ora, that's so significant. Because how often in life 
do we as children and certainly as adults feel less than and feel that other people make us feel insecure in some capacity and if we have someone in our life who believes in us who really sees us actually who they are doesn't matter at all but who we are is so significant and what you taught me at that time was go get them girl like you got it and I literally walked to that bus stop which by the way was four and a half blocks away and I walked there feeling such confidence and such belief in myself because my older sister who to me was so beautiful and so cool and so with it believed in me (laughs) but to, to me but actually really to everyone but the truth is she believed in me and she she made me feel that whatever obstacle I was about to face was insignificant in comparison to who I was as a human being and that resonated with me so strongly and I wonder I really wonder sometimes if that's what led me to be a confident adult because I had someone in my life from the time I was born you were three correct correct okay I was born in 1978 you were, you were born in 75, so for three full years, you were on this planet without me. And I don't remember those years. No, you don't. <laughs> Zero to so three, much. tough to remember. Right. Okay. But when I came about and we became sisters... I remember those. You remember those. I remember those. I don't remember a single time that you weren't on my side, in my corner, cheering me on. And, and vice versa, because to me, you were and are perfection so here's the thing about Donna that I think is important to know if you listen to 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 what she just told you right she came running upstairs she had to still run to the bus stop so she came running to my room she quickly told me her problem I quickly gave oh and you were in the attic (laughs) right like I I was was on on the the third floor yep I had to run up those additional stairs yeah 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 and then ran to the bus stop and went to school and and carried through that's the most important part of the story because advice is not worth much unless you can carry through and from a very young age that was one particular strength that you always had you put your mind to something and then there was this follow-through You thought about something, you made a decision, and there was follow-through. And it was was something that I always admired and always noticed from, from a young age because you developed that before I did, despite my being older. And my my great my great worth as an older sister was that I had life experience. I went through things before you. So I had been there, I had done that, I was able to, I was able to shed some light, I was able to lend some weight to something because I had done it, seen it, but, but you were able to do, and that's an incredible thing. That's, that's, I think, the most important thing. You know, listening to you right now, I'm, I'm listening to you. And I'm appreciating what you're saying to me on, on, on a level because while the listeners are hearing it, I'm hearing it for the first time too, and it means so much to me. What you're describing really is, in essence, a decision. Because what you're describing is, throughout my life, 
and till today. It is a decision to be focused on what I believe will benefit me and to go with it. Right. And I think there's another word for that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the word for that is optimism. Because what I'm hearing you're saying is, oh, Donna, you've always been available to finding the best in a given situation or to be optimistic, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, okay, so now you're touching on something else, which, because first I'm talking about really a strength of perseverance, which is what you have also. But above and above all else, I have always said that Donna wears rose-colored glasses. And I have, I have always said that about her because she looks at the world with this belief. She sees the best in the future. She sees, she believes like she is idealistic. And it's not necessarily my nature. And so I've always looked at it and commented on it with, um, with various levels of appreciation, disbelief, I don't know, all sorts of things. Okay, so I need to mention that I have been told so many times in my life, Ora, oh, wow, you're so optimistic. I really, honestly, even my own husband, my own husband, Joey, has said to me so many times, like, oh, for you, it's easy because you're so optimistic, okay? I need to mention that being someone who tends to focus on the positive in a given situation or to see the bright side of things when things are challenging, I want to speak on behalf of many of us quote-unquote optimists that this is a choice that we make. This is not a genetic disposition that is easy for us, which is what many people choose to believe. This is not something that we are born with where, oh, we fly through life feeling great because honestly that negates from our our potential and what we're really what we're putting toward it. The effort. The effort involved. Because what's involved in being optimistic is a day-to-day, minute-to-minute decision to not let things bring you down. And furthermore, when things happen, to be cognitively aware that whatever is going on, it has a greater purpose, has a bigger picture, and therefore whatever's happening has a potential to strengthen me in some way, okay? So when I'm being that person and people throughout my life are saying, oh, you're so easily happy, you're so joyful by nature, I'm thinking to myself, this is not by nature. This is something I choose and this is something you can choose too. And I can attest to the fact that that is true, actually. Because I lived with her and I... For many years, for many, many years. Day in, day out. And um, that's the truth. It It is a work in progress all the time. And it's a very impressive thing to see up close. You know, for many of you listeners who are listening right now, perhaps, and thinking to yourself, you know, I'm not wired that way. That's not my nature. That's not who I am. I want to tell you something. Who you are what your nature is is what you decide it to be i know that's surprising to hear because you think what do you mean it's genetic 
it's nature versus nature. I can't control it. My mother was wired this way. My grandmother was wired. I want to tell you something. Whatever stage, whatever age you're at, you have a decision right here, right now to make a determination. Who do you want to be? Who do you foresee yourself being? Who do you feel you can inspire? What kind of role model do you want to be to your children, to the people around you, to your neighbors, to your, to your friends? You can change right here, right now. Because honestly, the way I am in terms of feeling optimistic no matter what is a constant effort. It's like that decision to go to the gym, you know? You decide you want to lose weight. You decide you want to get in shape. You decide you want to go to the gym. So you so you sign up to the gym, right, Aura? Right. And you spend... Done. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. We used to go to Lucille Roberts together yeah. in college. Yeah. And the best part of, of our gym going was that right after, across the street, there was a Carvel. And right after Lucille Roberts, <laughs> right after Lucille Roberts I used to say to you, we go get some ice cream and you'd be like but we just burned off the calories i'd be like but what's the incentive if not ice cream do you remember this i don't think i ate tell me i didn't eat the ice cream you may not have but i can tell you i got a double scoop (laughs) i got a double scoop listen at the end of the day if you want to change who you are it is completely possible let's let's give them a good example okay let's give them a good example let's because, you know, we're sisters. We share some genetics, not others. We're, we're not identical twins. No, we're not. No. And here I am telling you that I... I you know, you I have... these traits you have, in my sister. You have light-colored hair and high cheekbones, which I think are magnificent. You have high cheekbones. But you have light-colored, you know, right. skin and hair, which I think right. is great. Well, thanks. But we're not identical. Not identical. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Go on. Now, I would like right i i'm looking at this trait in my sister and i'm thinking i would like to be like that and here i am thinking because it's in my nature to sort of be like "Mm, okay so she got that and i didn't that that was i think I, i i attributed that to my nature like a little bit more like um realistic i was more realistic to her idealistic is how i saw things okay Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then I had to find some way to be optimistic and it was a challenge. So how did you do that? Like, how did you figure it out? Okay. So tell them, tell them, tell them what you used to say about me. If I used to say that you used to wear rosy colored goggles. Okay. So my whole life as one of four sisters, my, um, I guess reputation was that, oh, Donna's so optimistic. She finds the best in every situation, which of course sounds wonderful. But, you know, honestly, it could it could somehow be negative when it seems like, oh, it's so easy for Donna. Like, it's so simple to always find the negative, to, to find the positive. When the truth is, it was a work in progress. Now, my sister, Ora, always had the reputation of being oblivious, which has a negative connotation. It does. But let me explain. It does not for- sound as nice. It doesn't. But I want to explain for just a moment. Throughout our history with Aura, she always seemed to ignore certain things that were blatantly obvious to most people. Whereas, let's say, a spouse or a child would behave in a certain way that you would want to react to. Aura continued her meal with a smile. With or a friend or a guest, right? Like anyone. Anyone in, the, in, in question. A exactly. Boss. Anyone in question 
when they would behave in a way or, or speak in a way that most people would react or attended to be, quote unquote, oblivious. So much so that my sisters and I and parents reacted to it where it was, we said, did you not notice such and such or like, were you not aware that A, B and C just took place? It took us years and years, not just to understand where she was coming from, but to learn from her and furthermore, to incorporate this quality into our lives. And I want Ori to elaborate, but then I want to explain myself why this is something that I have taken so seriously in my marriage as a mother. And it's such a beautiful, endearing quality. Well, thank you. But for... Okay, so you know, you got to work with what you got, right? We all, we get, we get a set of things to work with. So you mean like I say to my students, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, at some point you realize you, you got what you got and you can be upset or you can set about trying to figure out what you can do okay. with what's in your bag. And so I was that kid, you know, if you go back to like second grade, I was that kid, you know, Aura is, um, a very sweet natured child who could focus more. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, oh boy, can I relate? Yeah. 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 That was, I was always that child that was like, Donna's got so much potential. Right. potential. We're just waiting to Unused see it. Potential. We haven't seen it, but we know it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it's very possible that this was just me using what I've naturally kind of been given, but if I if I never learned to to focus, that would have been terrible. So clearly, I did. I learned to focus, but I also learned how to not focus. I don't have to focus on everything. I can choose what to give my attention to. I can choose what's important to me at any given time. I can choose. I can choose how to make the most of every moment. Or did you know? Did you, I mean, only because you're saying this and it's striking a chord with me. Did you know that Benjamin Franklin was... I can tell you right now I didn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin, who? (laughs) Okay. Did you know that Benjamin Franklin is known for saying, before marriage, keep both eyes wide open. And after marriage, keep them slightly closed. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so very, so yeah. can you elaborate on what he meant by that? Because it seems to be what you're trying to say anyway. Uh, I mean, in relationships know, in general, not just for marriage, but in humans, all relationships. Humans are wired for judgment. We just are. It's, it's how we survive. It's, it's how we process information. It's, it's how we know what we know. It's super important. But you know what? we have a capacity for a lot of judgment and um and it's it's not necessary all of it's not in some way you gotta filter and you gotta choose what's important and what i what i've learned what i've decided to focus on is relationships one minute can i can i can i interject for a second yeah when you're dealing with another human being whether it's your parent your child, your spouse, okay? When you're dealing with this person and the tendency is to be judgmental, the tendency is to want to correct and fix that person because we want to make them what we need them to be for us. 
How do we become oblivious? How do we close our eyes like you, like Benjamin Franklin and all other brilliant people over the centuries have said? How do we do this? Because there's tons of things you can focus on. Tons. You have to realize that when you're focusing in, when you're honing in on that one thing that's upsetting you, you are closing, you're shutting the doors on numerous other things that you can choose to focus on in that moment. It's as simple as just changing your, your focal point. Okay, you know what? I'm going to give you a perfect example. Please do. Examples really help resonate yeah. with me Let, because I'm like a learner that learns from example. You, yeah. you know, you could talk and talk and talk and talk and I won't resonate. When you give me a concrete example, that's when I'm able to really like understand. I'm going to give you a concrete example, but you were there. Okay? This is an example okay. that me and you lived through together. Now I'm really listening. Okay. Because it involves me. Okay. All right. So years ago, I'm a young mother and I'm, you know, I've got two little kids and I've got a full-time job and I'm, I'm, at a, I'm at a stage in my life where for whatever reason I am feeling like I'm just not doing as well as I could as well not, as I should as well, well as I want to okay. and I think um, we can all relate to not coping well I'm yeah. feeling like the end of the day where I come rushing home and pick up the kids and it's it's dinner and it's preparing for, for whatever the, the homeworks are and the knapsacks and the, for tomorrow and the bath time and the bedtime and the whole thing. It was getting like a little bit chaotic. Overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Right. And, and I was not, I was not being the mother I wanted to be. And I was losing it. That's, I, I don't know how else to say it. I was, I was losing it. Like all and, moms tend to lose it every now and then. Yes. If you're a mom, and you're listening, and honestly, if you're not a mom, I mean, if you're dealing with a stressful situation in life, we all know that as much as we want to handle things with grace, we just, every now and then, we just lose it. Like, we just can't cope, right? Right. You're describing okay. that type of situation. Yeah. As a mom. So, okay, I can't cope well. That's, I, I guess I was coping, but coping wasn't good enough. Like, coping wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to just get through every single evening with my kids. Like, I had looked forward to this part of my life. I had a vision of how it was going to be, who I was going to be. This was not my vision. So I called you. I called you. I was so upset. I said, you know, like, I just screamed like a nut. Like, I had two little kids. They're a... I love them to death. They're adorable. What am I screaming like a nut for? Like, I don't know. So you'd lost it. Yeah. You'd lost it. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I just, I don't, that's, I don't want to be, that's not who I want to be as a mother. I don't want to, I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, my mother yelled at us every night. Like, I, you didn't I said, what am a, I going to do? You, you, I don't you, just, you didn't want to be a screamer. I didn't know what to do. And you know, or I remember this time. You remember. Okay. Oh, I, oh, I remember this vividly because, you know, while you're three years ahead, I'm three years behind. And so while my kids were younger, I was going through a very similar situation where after a full day and coming home in the evening and the routine, it was very stressful. And no matter how good of a mom I was, there were those moments where I just lost it. And when you called me that night and you said to me, I'm not 
I'm not holding on. I'm not, I'm not being strong. I'm not the kind of mom I envisioned myself to be. I'm screaming and I'm yelling and I'm losing my cool and I don't want to be that person. I remember it. I remember it very clearly. Right. And of course I was blaming myself. Of course. I wasn't blaming them. You know, no. like, of course I knew that, like, knew. I'm saying new, but to be honest, we're, we're hard on ourselves. We're always hard on ourselves. That's, That's part of the problem. Yeah. You know? As humans, I, actually. Right. I, I kept thinking, like, oh, if, if I was more organized, if I did more in advance, if I planned it better, you know, whatever it was. But the bottom line is, I, I wanted to change something. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how. You know, Ora, that's such an incredible point you're making. Thank you for bringing it up tonight. Really, because so often we're going through our lives aware that we're not happy with something that's happening, whether it's our marriage or our parenting or our our co-workers or our business or ourself. Whatever it is that we're aware of, we're not pleased with it, but we just don't know how to change it. Right. And we don't know how to change something. We keep repeating that same mistake. Right. So I'm so proud of you. And I acknowledge okay. you back then for being aware of something you didn't like. And for acknowledging it. And then taking the necessary steps to perhaps change it. Which is where I think you're going with this story. Yes. So I called you. And and I, I shared this whole thing. And you were very validating, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I said, but what am I going to do? And we decided that the next time I felt like I was going to yell, I wasn't going to yell and I was going to call you. And we made this decision together because I remember saying to you, Aura, I don't want to yell again either. I don't want to be that parent that yelled. I want to be that parent that could cope. You know, listen, granted, we're going to have our moments, but overall, I don't want my kids to grow up and say, oh, my mom was like a freaking yeller. You know, she was always losing her cool. Like, I want to, like, calm down. I want to, like, be able to take things in stride. And so we made this deal at that moment, and I remember See that mother who has, like, pearls of wisdom? (laughs) Right? Yes. Right? Like, boots are on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Like, been there, done that. I could take things in stride. Not that every little thing is driving me. Not that when my kids, you know, splash the bathtub and the rug gets wet, I'm like, stop splashing! I don't want to be that psychopath mother. I want to be this calm mother. Now, easier said than done. And we, we made this deliberate decision at that time. I remember it clearly where we said, listen, this is a work in progress. Step one is vidoy. You know, like in the Hebrew term, we acknowledged what we're unhappy about. Now we got to move forward. We acknowledge we've done something wrong. Yes. We feel bad about it. Harata, step two. Yes. (laughs) Moving right along. How do we go from here? And we realized, to be honest with you, we realized we're not strong enough to do it alone. Because doing things alone is very, very difficult. Right? And so we said to each other, how grateful we are to have one another. And let's now, the next time we feel we're about to lose our cool, let's take a step back and call the other person in order to pause that rage. Am I right? Yes. Okay. And what happened? Okay. The next day, <laughs> very was next it, day. Was it the next day? I, I have a feeling. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with that, Aura. I'm going to go with that. Don't hold me to it, but I have a feeling. I believe it. The very next day, I called you. <laughs> I I was about to scream. About. But I, but I didn't. You didn't. Instead, I ran into the bathroom. I, I lived in not such a big apartment at the time. There wasn't so many places to go. I ran into the bathroom. <laughs> I closed the door. You weren't in the mansion yet. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I called you. I said, I'm in the bathroom. 
Aura, I remember it because I was busy in the kitchen cooking dinner and I answered the phone and all I heard was, Tara, Tara. And I was like, Aura, are you okay? Like, what the heck? And you were like, I'm hiding in the bathroom. I'm about to lose it. I remember it till this day. It was, right. it was 20 years ago, but I remember it right. till this day. Right. And I said, you know, whatever. I poured out whatever it was. You I said, okay, you know, whatever. It took you about said, I'm about to seconds. lose it. Right. I'm Ten hiding seconds. in the bathroom because I don't want to yell. I'm calling you instead, and I'm about to freak out. And we, and we just talked. And, you know, forget talked. There was no talk. Guys, listen, let me tell you, let me tell you the simplicity of this. Of changing okay? a habit. The simplicity. The brilliance is in the simplicity. There was no there was no geniuses here. There was no brilliant there therapist. There was no PhD. Right. There was no master there plan. Was, there was there was two there was two girls, two women with a desire. Yes. All right. That's all it took. And she said, "Okay, so what are you going to do now?" And I said, "I love this story, Aura." And I said, "We did it already. We did it already." Like in those in that minute in that minute that I walked away, in that minute that I called her, and in that I, minute that you didn't lose it, but you walked away and called me, in the minute that I whispered instead of yelling, I had changed everything. You had conquered your habit. I had well, I didn't conquer it, but well, at least but I had restored. Yes, I had restored sanity. I had calmed down. I had, I got back to myself, you know, and I, I walked out. And I remember that you, 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 you creeped out of the bathroom and you told me the next day, you said, I creeped out of the bathroom and I interacted with my kids. They had no idea. They thought I went to the restroom, but when I came out, I was a calm person and rather than reacting to their madness, I maintained my serenity and they met me in a place of serenity because normally what we do is we react to their madness with madness and then it's complete chaos. We we were in, yeah we were in a cycle of escalation. Yes, you know, they and got a little chaotic. It. I got a little Aura, chaotic. Maybe Aura, I started it. Who Aura, knows? Why I'm am I blaming to interrupt them? You because you're so wise. But how often do we do this with our spouse? How often oh, in marriage, gosh. when they raise the bar of psycho, of 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 stress, of whatever it is they're experiencing, and they raise that bar, and we meet them. Where really all we had to do was maintain our cerebellum, maintain our calm, maintain our composure. Because, listen, they're entitled to feel stress and they're entitled to feel crazy. But why do we have to meet them at crazy? Why can't we understand that we control, and I spoke about this in my last podcast, why can't we control our own thought process so that whatever exterior is bringing us down, whether it's a human, whether it's a circumstance, a child, a spouse, a, 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 something we can't control, right? Something that's just going to bring us down. We don't allow it to, right? We say, no, no, I won't let it. Here I am engulfed in my serenity, engulfed in my understanding that God is in control and that at the end of the day, I, I believe and I have faith and I understand that whatever's happening is okay. And I control me. I don't control anything else, but I control me. Right. 
and I, and I control me in this moment. This moment is all that matters. We get ahead of ourselves so often, you know, especially with kids. I'm, I'm, I think I'm stuck on the kids thing because we started with this example. And I think that a lot of, a lot of what was going on for me and maybe I think for a lot of parents is like there's so much wrapped up in every every interaction right like if I mess up this then I'm not giving my kids what they deserve if I mess up this I'm ruining their future so if I mess right. up this then they won't be who who they could be so right, can I ask you something when you say that you have this ability to be oblivious because in originally it oh, was yeah. it was stated as something that was designated to you as or is oblivious almost negatively whereas you've come to realize that that ability is something that's so positive can you just elaborate on that in terms of so when you're raising children or when you're dealing with a spouse or a family member or a coworker or a friend how does oblivion permit you to optimize that relationship? So the, the key word in what you just said for me is the relationship. That is what I am focused on all the time. Because you can't not focus on something. You can only focus on something. See, if you focus on something enough, then you focus on it to the exclusion of other things so hopefully focusing on something so positive that it's building you up rather than honing in your focus on something that's concerning you and worrying you and bringing you down right so if I know that I want a relationship that is wonderful with my children with my spouse with my sisters with my parents with my, whoever it is right with my friends with my co-workers you know, you have to start, you have to start close and then you can build and build and build concentric circles. You can keep building, but by So like Benjamin Franklin said, if you have your eyes slightly closed, you're allowing yourself to see what you choose to see and you're allowing yourself to not see what you don't need to see. Listen, the people in your life, whether it's your spouse or your children or your family, wherever it may be, right? They're going to possess qualities that don't agree with you. And they're going to do things that are going to irritate you. And they're going to do things that may hurt you. But if you choose not to see everything, what you're doing is an intentional oblivion. And that intentional oblivion permits you to love and accept people. And isn't that what it's all about, Ora, honestly? Yeah, because and what it also, what it also does is allows makes it a lot easier for them to really love and accept oh, you you just <laughs> said it because when you're not judgmental people want to be around you it is so hard to be around someone who's constantly judging every move you make and I've noticed this about myself listeners to be honest with you when I'm so judgmental about my spouse and everything they do and say I'm criticizing and I'm wanting to fix it and correct it that must be so painful and stressful honestly to live with me I mean, if I had to live with a spouse who was measuring and calculating and weighing every move I made, boy, oh boy, would I be stressed out. I so appreciate living with someone who lets me be me, 
whether it's positive or negative, and I falter and I fail and I and I rise Human. above. Human, someone who just loves you and your humanity—that's like a nice thing to be around. Yes, it yes. allows us to relax a little bit. Absolutely. So, you know, or your ability to see th relationships through this oblivious eye, which is an intentional oblivion, which has allowed you to accept people and to embrace the good and the bad because you choose what you want to focus on is so beautiful and I think well thank you that's very nice of you to say but you know it's funny because we're talking about judgment and both of these qualities and traits that we're talking about like you mean my optimism your optimism and your which I have always thought was like a beautiful thing right but we all know people I, 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 most of us must know people who have t talked down optimism, right? Yep. Because yep. realism is where it's at. Oh yeah, you gotta be How realistic. are you ever gonna plan? How are you ever gonna really understand the world? Right. How are you right. ever gonna... Yep. Okay. You gotta you know, be in the moment. Yeah. And the truth is that I've been there. I have, I have been on the receiving end of really being talked out of what I always thought was a very excellent plan to just not notice things, not notice things that I didn't think were useful. They weren't helpful to my relationships. So I just chose not to pay attention. And I was talked out of that at one point. And so I started thinking that it was going to be like um, a good avenue of growth for me if I was going to be much more... Uh, observant. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the aware, word. Yeah. Aware. Yeah, yeah. I was going to start really being aware. Yeah, and really focusing on people and their actions. It didn't help, I'm guessing. Um, I, I don't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> Listen, I've I tried it both ways. You know, I've seen the world from both sides now. Yeah, don't do it. Excuse you? <laughs> wow. You know, listen, I've got to tell you, listeners... I've seen it with my own kids time and time again where I'm busy doing something and they're just talking and they're arguing and they're fighting and they're insulting each other. If I choose to look the other way and be oblivious to it, 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 it just sort of just goes, it rolls over within moments and everyone's back to a happy place. Whereas if I focus on it, I make a big deal out of it, I make a moment out of it, it ends up, you know, sort of making it into a bigger deal than it needed to be. And so I think that your point, Aura, if I'm correct, is choose your battles in life. Choose what you need to focus on and choose what you could sort of, you know, look the other way. Like Benjamin Franklin said, close your eyes a little bit because when you're looking to get married, certainly keep your eyes wide open. You want to find the right person that's going to, you know, fit you properly and that's going to bring out the best in you and you can, and you can bring out the best in them. But once you are married in a relationship... That makes you feel like your best self. Right. That's what you're looking for. That you can be yourself and they accept you. Yes. So, yeah, eyes wide open because you want somebody that's healthy and and a good fit for you. Right. Supportive. But, but, but hear what we just said. The same way that you want someone that lets you be yourself, be also somebody that lets that other person be themselves. And that is such great advice, Aura, because... Listen, I've been married almost 20 years, and you've been married over 20 years. 
25. Believe us. Oh my goodness, believe us, right, Aura? I mean, like I'm 41. I'm finally figuring it out. I'm finally figuring it out. So if you're just starting out and you're listening to this, incorporate it now. Really, just less judgment and more acceptance. That's all people really want. You know? Accept us and love us. If you're if you if you're with somebody that's a good person, if you've got a good person in your life, if it's a good friend, a good sibling, a good parent, a good a good coworker, whatever it may be, whatever relationship you're you're looking at when you're listening to this, be more optimistic about reality. Be open-minded to the possibility that things are really happening the way they're supposed to and happening for the best. And at the same time, be a little bit oblivious. Don't always focus in on every little thing. Sometimes close your eyes and just choose to see the positive in the given situation. If you're looking at the big picture, there's more than enough good stuff to see. Right. And you know what, Aura? I'm so glad podcast is tonight. You know, it's funny how we did this a week ago and it didn't, somehow it got lost. And it was so difficult and so painful for me because we had put so much into it and it was just gone. But I look back at it now and I think to myself, and here we are again. And not just is it wonderful, but like Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And I can't help but wonder if it was meant to be. I'm a positive outlook. Here we go. You know, like Thanksgiving is right around the corner. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for my beautiful, wonderful sister who has always just shown me the way and guided me along the way and has been my best friend and my soulmate and my love and my light, Aura. Aura in Hebrew means light. And she's been my light. And I'm so grateful to you, my beautiful sister. So I'm blushing. Yeah, too bad you can't see, honestly. This should really be visual. I mean, seriously, <laughs> this would have been like 10 notches up if it was visual. But I, I, I've enjoyed it. Aura, thank you for being here tonight. I hope that you listeners gain something, gain many things, and, and, and just have a wonderful Thanksgiving, a wonderful weekend. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I wish all of you that you go through life with the perfect dosage of optimism and the right amount of oblivion so that you too could, could just appreciate and optimize every relationship in your life. Amen. And remember, life is a ride. So enjoy every stage of that ride, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad. It's all part of your ride of life. Enjoy it. Tune in next week again for the good sign. Can't wait to can't wait to talk to you again. Good night.